Do you have a message to share and wonder, how do I get heard? Broadcasting from the beautiful lakes of Minnesota and the Twin Cities, welcome to the J.B. Sism Show. This show will motivate you with clarity and help you find your voice so you can take your message to the next level. Now here's your host, Jason Sism. And my friends, taking everything to the next level is what I love to do here at jbcism.com. Well, my friends, welcome to today's episode. This is episode number 146 of the show. Wow, I can't believe we're pushing nearly 150 episodes since I started this podcast back in 2015. Wow, I can't believe I've been doing this podcast that long. And I'm excited about today's episode because today's episode is more than just me sitting behind the microphone talking. I'm actually going to be playing for you an audio recording that I took on Monday evening, March 9th. Monday evening, March 9th, I was invited to speak to the Minnesota Christian Writers Guild here in the Twin Cities. It's a group of writers who meet regularly the second Monday of every month, which I am a part of. I am actually on the board of directors for the Guild. And as we were planning the 2019-2020 Guild year, they asked me if I would be willing to speak on the topic of goal setting and avoiding writing pitfalls by setting smarter goals. In other words, how do I take the time that God has given me? We all have 168 hours in a week. How do I take that time and how do I focus that time with laser precision to accomplish the things that God has put on my heart? And I think so many times with our thought life, We drown in to-do items. We drowned in a never-ending list of things that need to get done. And a lot of times what ends up happening, the very thing we wanted to do gets pushed off and pushed off. And maybe it falls off the cliff and we don't get to sitting down and writing the book that we have in our heart to write. I talked to the guild, stood behind the podium, and had an absolutely wonderful, wonderful experience speaking with all of the gifted, gifted writers. I talked to one uh, lady last night. Well, last night for me, this was March 9th for you. (laughs) But I'm recording this on Tuesday the 10th, so that's why it's last night for me. Regardless of the fact, I was talking to this lady and she has written a bunch of beautiful, beautiful um, poems. And she had asked, asked me, you know, what, what can I do with these? And so I said to her, let me let me coach you through the process of writing. Let me coach you through the process of publishing your work, whether you're going to uh, go for the traditional route of publishing, or if you're going to go the route of self-publishing. Let me help you with that. And she was very grateful. She sent me an email thanking me for my time last night and excited about what the future has in store for her. And that's what it's all about. That's the thing that, that drives me. That's the thing that moves me forward in helping authors take their message to what they consider to be the next level and get their message out into the world to help more people hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And I make no apologies for the fact that I am a believer in Jesus. I'm a pastor uh, in the Twin Cities at a church called Life Church. And if you don't believe in God, if you don't believe in Jesus and you're listening to this, that's okay. That's okay. I do. And I just want you to to know where I'm coming from because I do reference God a lot in 
the, the talk from last night because I was talking to a group of Christian writers. So take it as you will, and I hope you are blessed by today's topic. And what I'm talking about today in this recording is how do I avoid common writing pitfalls by setting smarter goals. And I walk through Michael Hyatt's book, Free to Focus, which is a fantastic book, by the way. Uh, Michael Hyatt says, true productivity starts when we become clear on what we truly want, to formulate our own vision for productivity that works for us instead of somebody shouting, faster, 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 get more done, get more done. And I think that's what ends up happening. We try to get more and more done thinking the more we get done, the more productive we are. But we end up falling behind on what we consider the direction we want to go with our life. And the goals that we want to have accomplished fall through the cracks and we end up putting the pencil aside. Or we put that goal aside that we had and we say, well, next time I will sit down to work. Next time I will sit down to write. Next time I will sit down to accomplish my goal for the year because I have too much on my to-do list. So I I dispel some of those myths and some of those limiting beliefs that we have as individuals. And I replace those limiting beliefs with here are some liberating truths that can take you further in your thought life. Because I personally believe how we think and how we act is crucial to how we think. So what we think affects our belief. Our belief affects how we walk in a daily life. So I'm not going to go any further on that because I talk a lot about that in the recording, which I'll play in a minute. But I wanted to mention just a couple of quick things. Number one, I am now officially on TikTok. Yay! I'm super excited about that. I really don't know what I'm doing on TikTok, but I'm using TikTok as a social media experiment. And I'm going to try putting out at least one to two pieces of content on TikTok every day to kind of start getting the ball rolling and gaining some traction on some eyeballs looking at my content and hopefully funneling some people towards my blog, funneling people towards my podcast where I do the majority of my teaching. And so I'm using TikTok as a place to help grow my audience. So you can follow me on TikTok at JB Sism. So go to tiktok.com forward slash at JB Sism. And that's where you can find me. Download the TikTok app, look for at JB Sism, and you'll find me there. Uh, and that's actually where you can find me on any social media platform. Facebook is JB Sism. Twitter is at JB Sism. Instagram at JB Sism. So wherever you want to follow me on social media is JB Sism. With the exception of YouTube, I don't have a lot of content on there, but YouTube, you can follow me, Jason Sism, J-A-S-O-N-S-I-S-A-M. The other thing I wanted to mention, I now have officially opened the cart for my Right Now Masterclass on April 18th here in the Twin Cities. So the cart is officially open. I have two different ticket options for you. You can have the regular ticket, which is just fine. It's a fantastic ticket. You get the entire six-hour masterclass live and in person. You get a chance to win a free copy of Scrivener, which is a uh, piece of writing software that this masterclass is going to cover, as well as you get a chance to win a one-hour coaching session with moi. So you get a one you get a chance to win a 1 hour coaching session with me, but if you want to guarantee you get a coaching session with me, a 1 hour coaching session, I have a special VIP session just for you. And if you go to jbsism.com forward slash right w r i t e hyphen now jbsism.com forward slash right hyphen 
now. So you got to put a little hyphen between right and now. And you will go right to there. Otherwise, you can just go to jbsism.com, click on work with me. And there's a link in there for the right now masterclass learning how to set goals, write your book, and publish your book using Scrivener, which is one of my favorite pieces of writing software. It absolutely has revolutionized my life. I've been able to write books faster than ever before by using this one beautiful piece of software called Scrivener. So if you want to learn how to use Scrivener, if you want to learn how to set writing goals and take your life to the next level, this is the class for you. So the regular ticket price, $100. Regular ticket price, $100. And the VIP is $250. April 18th, here in the Twin Cities, please register It will revolutionize your life. It will change your life because it has changed my life. And I'm going to show you why it changed my life. And I'm going to show you the tips, the tricks, and everything you need to know. Because I believe that this is going to be the masterclass for you. So, all of that being said, those are all of the announcements that I have for today. I am now going to play the recording from Monday... March 9th, 2020, which was just two days ago for you. Now, this recording is not the highest quality recording. I tried recording it on my phone using a recording app. The app failed on me, so I had a nice, crisp, clean audio. I only got five minutes of audio, and then it disappeared after that. I don't know what happened. So, it's not the highest quality recording. I did my best to clean it up a little bit so you can... Uh, hear it better, but again, the content is going to be absolutely um, outstanding, and I I know that you'll walk away from today's podcast uh, blessed. It's about an hour speech, roughly 54 minutes is how long I spoke for, and uh, on today's show notes, if you go to jbcism.com forward slash 146, jbcism.com forward slash 146, I have the show notes there as well as I have the entire transcript that I use as my teaching notes that you can read as well. I have links to buy Michael Hyatt's books, Your Best Year Ever and Free to Focus, as well as a link to my personal journal that I have called the Thinking Forward Journal. You can Uh, Buy all three of those books right through the website. I have links to Amazon directly from the show show notes page. And last but not least, I also have my PowerPoint there available for you as well. You can flip through the PowerPoint charts and you can see what everybody else saw the night that I spoke on. Avoid writing pitfalls by setting smarter goals. So without any further ado, here is Monday, March 9th, 2020, my talk to the Minnesota Christian Writers Guild. So let me start by asking you this question. How many of you, because I know I'm included in this question, struggle with getting your word count in daily? Okay, I think most people's hands went up there. How many of you struggle balancing work, family, life, and trying to squeeze some writing in in the middle of all of that? All right. It's tough work. And it's even harder when you are a a guy like me who has two little kids at home, a four-year-old and a one-year-old, been married for about eight years to um, the love of my life. She's not here tonight. She's watching the kids tonight. And she said, go get them. So that's what I'm doing. (laughs) So, like my mom said, I I, I like to tell stories. I like to talk. And sometimes it's hard to get me to stop talking, especially when I'm behind a microphone. So uh, if you want to kick me off any time, just let me know and just kick me off. And Stacy's nodding her head. Yes, we will kick you off. (laughs) So let me tell you a little bit about myself if you don't know who I am. 
Um, I am a pastor, I'm an author, I'm a blogger, full-time dad, full-time husband, as well as a uh, consulting coach as well. So I do a lot of work, and I try to do it all in the 168 hours that I have every week. Well, I have always enjoyed stories, I've always enjoyed books. I started reading books, oh man, I was, I was young when I started reading books. But I had a comprehension problem. I had a hard time comprehending what I was reading, so I would actually read books out loud so I could hear myself reading the book, so I could retain a little bit better. And, and it's funny, I still find myself doing that today. I'm, I can focus a little better now than I could when I was a kid. But I knew at an early age I, I wanted to tell stories. I wanted to write. And I found an old journal. My mom had given me a whole box of stuff. In there was an, a journal, and I wrote an Indiana Jones story. It's terrible. I was probably, I don't know, third grade when I wrote it. <laughs> but I wrote an Indiana Jones story. Fast forward to college, I decided I'm going to try my hand at some writing. And I had my comp uh, composition teacher, and he goes, he goes yeah, you're... you're you could do all of this. You can write. You got, you got a good story going on. And I get to chapter two, and I had finished my story. You ever had that happen? You're trying to write a novel, and you get to chapter two, and you're like, well, guess that's the end of that one. I struggled. I tried. I fussed, and I fought to get any words written. I finally got about a, I don't know, 50, 60,000 words written on an alien novel. I was all excited about aliens at the time and um, not interested in aliens now, but um, I, I got this book started and then I didn't know what I was going to do from there. Well, come about 2008, I didn't have a whole lot of money. I just bought a townhouse a couple years prior. I was asked to take a 10% pay cut at, at work and I was struggling to make ends meet. I was living less than paycheck to paycheck. And, and I didn't have much money for Christmas. And I, I like to give gifts at Christmas. I like to go all out. And I didn't have much money. And so I'm like, well, I've tried my hand at the writing thing. So maybe I'll just write a story for my family. Maybe I'll you know, be like a one-page you know, Christmas story. And I'll frame it and you know, maybe burn the edges, make it kind of artsy and frame it and give it to them and 25,000 words later so I'm like well story's complete I wrote a novella and I was blown away I wrote it in about three months time 25,000 words and I was blown away that I actually finished something you know after eight years of trying I finally finished a manuscript and how many of you have been there where it's like you finally get that manuscript done, whether it's an article, whether it's a poem, whether it's a book? It's, it's, it's the most gratifying feeling. So I typeset that puppy in Microsoft Word. I don't recommend that. I designed a really awful book cover, which is in, on your handout. It's like, I think, the third image down. It's a really small image, but it's a really poor quality image. Um, I called it the snow globe. I bound it that snowy December day. I, the books are sitting on my doorstep. I wipe the snow off. I open the cover, and it's my book. I was so excited. I was so giddy. I had like, I don't know, six of them printed or so. And so I wrapped them up, and I took them, and I gave them out to my family at Christmas. And I remember my dad's reaction. He's just sitting there thumbing through the page, and he goes, you wrote a book. You, you wrote a book. I can't believe you wrote a book. Sandy, just, he wrote a book. And that's, that was kind of his reaction. And he still gets that way whenever I publish something new. He's like, I, I published my uh, a Western novel. It's over there called Vengeance at Purgatory uh, last June. He looks at this thing. He goes, man, this is like a legit book. <laughs> I'm like, what, like the others weren't legit? But you know, whatever. 
So, I quickly realized that I had something. I was invited to the Minnesota Christian Writers Guild by a good friend, Lois Walford Johnson. I don't know if any of you know who she is. She wrote the Adventure in the Northwoods books. Very, very dear friend of mine. Known her for, man, I've lost count how many years I've known Lois. Uh, we're both uh, ordained in, in the same ministerial association, so I get the chance to, to see her every now and then. And I finally came, and I met all of you wonderful people. And after some work, I took that 25,000-word novella, and I officially published, changed the name of it, to Divine Providence. And it's the story of a young lady who... Her world's turned upside down. She finds out her husband had cheated on her. And her son fell through the skating pond in town. But because of a previous heart condition, he now needs a heart transplant or he'll be dead before Christmas. How do you learn to trust God in the moments when things seem impossible? So that's the story of this book. And that set off my journey of of writing, and I learned quickly how powerful words are. The Bible says in Hebrews uh, 4.11, it says, The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You know, our writing is powerful. We have the solemn ability to communicate the gospel message of Jesus Christ to a world who needs to hear that message. Amen? And, and that's our job. That's our responsibility as writers. But so too often, we find ourselves stuck in this world of not knowing what direction we're going to write in or not knowing how I'm going to sit down and find just 10 minutes to write just a few words in my article or in that poem or in my next book or in the book that I've been writing for the last 10, 15, 20 years, and I still haven't been able to get that book out. A lot of times what happens is, if we don't take the time to set our goals and get our priorities right in our daily life, somebody's missing out on the message that God has put on your heart. Somebody's mess, missing out on the message God's put on my heart. And that's what it's all about. So tonight we're talking about procrastination and the pitfalls of writing when it comes to goal setting. You know, it's, it's no secret that time is limited. You have 168 hours in a week. Guess what? I have 168 hours in a week. Not this week. Oh, not this week? All right. Okay, next week you have 168 hours, all right? Starting, starting next week. <laughs> you know, we wonder, where did the week go? Have you ever gotten there? You get to Saturn and you scratch your head like, oh, dang it. I didn't get that project done. I didn't get that project done. And the laundry's piling up and the dishes are piling in the sink and I haven't yet run the dishwasher and the dogs run out of dog food. <laughs> and yet we wonder, how am I going to get all of that done plus start the next week? It happens all the time. And, and I think it's no wonder why so many writers take 10 to 20 years to write a book. Or sometimes they never even get a book out. So what do we need to do to take back our time? What do we need to do? And that's what we're talking about tonight. So number one is this. You must stop. I know it sounds counterproductive, doesn't it? You have everything on your to-do list vying for your attention, and you've got to stop. How many remember that old kindergarten game, red light, green light? You ever done that with your kids or with uh, you know, grandkids or you know, if you've taught in school? That's a fun game. You know, teacher yells out, green light, take off like a bullet. I mean, I, I would take off as fast as I could run, and all of a sudden, red light, and you're in mid-run, and you got to stop, right? 
You gotta stop as fast as you can, as quick as you can. <laughs> Have you ever noticed <laughs> kids running too fast? Teacher yells out, red light! And the kid falls flat on his face? <laughs> kid has way too much momentum. So here's the deal. It's true for our lives. We have a to-do list that is a mile high. And, and sometimes it feels like we're just seeing kind of like the Titanic. You feel like the Titanic. You hit the iceberg and you just see the tip of your to-do list. And you got a whole other set of to-do lists way underneath. And you're like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get to that to-do list. And you feel like you're sinking. Have you ever felt that way in your professional life or personal life? If we don't learn to stop or triage our calendars, guess what's going to happen? Time is going to force us to stop. And we're going to get burnt out. And we're going to get frustrated. And I think often we don't work on our goals is because we allow way too many other things to take the place of our goals. Have you ever started a New Year's resolution? New Year's resolution, January comes around, like, I'm going to. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, do better at eating this year, or I'm gonna exercise more this year, or I'm gonna actually write my book this year. A few weeks go by, and we haven't done anything. And in fact, a lot of times we just give up on our resolutions altogether. Because a resolution is basically a goal without a deadline. A resolution is a goal without a deadline. And so what happens is we end up procrastinating on what we want to get accomplished. A procrastination isn't just, um, well, how do I want to word it? Sitting on our thumbs, twiddling them. Procrastination is doing everything but. Fill in the blank. Procrastination is doing everything but. We have this endless barrage of tasks. How many have seen I Love Lucy? I love I Love Lucy. Okay, it's like, you know, I, I probably shouldn't even know about I Love Lucy. <laughs> but um, th there's this one episode where Lucy and Ethel, they go to the chocolate factory. Have you seen this episode? Yeah. They go to the chocolate factory and the lady goes, all right, ladies, I want you to wrap the chocolates and send them down the conveyor belt. Not one chocolate left unwrapped. And they're like, hey, this is pretty easy. We're doing a pretty good job. Lady comes, boss comes back and goes, man, you two did an excellent job. Speed it up! And the conveyor belt starts going a little faster and they're starting to miss a couple and the wrappers aren't getting wrapped very well. And she comes back and she's like, well, you know, you guys did pretty good. Speed it up! And now they're in trouble. They're shoving them in their face, or putting them in their hats, down their shirts, and in their pockets. And, and, and the lady comes back and sees an empty conveyor belt and rewards them with what? Speed it up. <laughs> you know, we feel like Lucy and Ethel sometimes, you know, hired by that chocolate factory and our to-do list keep rolling by. And we miss a couple check marks on that to-do list. And... And life rewards us by saying, speed it up. One of my favorite um, entrepreneurs, Michael Hyatt. Michael Hyatt wrote two fantastic books called Your Best Year Ever and Free to Focus. Two of my favorite books. Uh, Your Best Year Ever, I've, I've read this book at least twice. I uh, usually read it once every year. I have not read it yet this year. And then... Uh, Free to Focus came out last year. I've now read it twice. And what these books do is they help us achieve more by doing less. Focusing on what really matters most and helping us triage our to-do list, triaging our calendars. Here's, here's what he said in Free to Focus. He goes, true productivity starts when being clear on what we truly want. To formulate your own vision for productivity that works for you instead of the manager shouting faster. And he continues on. To get to the heart of the problem, we need to explore three common 
productivity objectives. So I'll talk about these real quick. Number one is efficiency. When we look at our productivity as something that is more than accomplishing tasks, it's trying to get more done as fast as we can. We think of productivity, I, I want to get, I want to knock off as many items on that to-do list. Maybe I got 20 things on my list to do today. I'm going to do work as fast as I can. I have eight hours uh, to get this stuff done, and I'm going to check these off as fast as I can go. The more you get done, the more you have time to do something else, right? I think it's easy to get into that mindset. But I think the real question is, should we be asking, can I do this job? Can't be, should I do this job faster and easier? It should be, should I be doing this job at all? What should I be knocking off of my to-do list? What should I get rid of? Or what should I delegate? Or what should I just eliminate altogether? You know, technology has, I think, made life, you know, tried to make life easy for us. You know, we have these smartphones. I can, I can go to my smartphone and I can type a document and a letter. And I can print it off. I can uh, use the calendar app for reminders and to-do lists and scheduling out events. I can use it to communicate with my team members using different um, team messaging apps. I can, um, I can run PowerPoint on my phone. Um, I can take notes, I can record audio, I can record video, I can take pictures. I mean, it's supposed to make life easier, right? But I think new technology solutions that have enabled us to work faster have also added more to our plates. So the question we have to ask ourselves is efficiency. We have to stop and ask, what am I going to be most efficient at? And answer that question first. Objective number two is success. I think a lot of people would say productivity is the definition of success. The more you get done, the more successful you are, right? Yeah, I think as writers, I think we want to succeed. I think we want to write more articles. We want to write more books. We want to get the message God has put on our heart out there. Um, faster than we ever thought of, you know, and, and I think the more productive we are, the greater success, success we have, right? Sort of. Think about it this way. Most people face the illusion of success because there's a vague understanding of what success really is. As Americans, we like the supersize, you know, supersize my fries, supersize this. I want everything now. I need my gratification now. I need those fries now. But I think sometimes success is really whittled down to this. Doing less but being more focused equals success. Doing less while being more focused equals success. My wife and I are currently decluttering our, our house, and we have this room filled with stuff from taking the goodwill. And, and I'm like, my gosh, do we really have this much stuff? Holy cow. And we're going room by room, closet by closet, drawer by drawer, and we're whittling it down to what are the bare essentials each room needs and, and get rid of everything else. Get rid of the stuff. Get rid of the fluff. Get rid of everything else that doesn't matter. And I think we have to do the same thing while we triage. According to a recent Gallup poll, the average, um, the average American works 60 plus hours a week. And that's not the blue collar worker. That's not the trade industry. Those guys typically work 40 hours. It's the white collar, the, the working professional typically works about 60 plus hours a week and what happens when we work that much we negate our family commitments we skip out on important things that we want to do we have less time to go on a date with our spouse or significant other we um, we miss spending time with our family so we have to understand what success is 
Uh, we have, thirdly, we have to understand what freedom is. You know, do we have freedom to focus? You know, do we have that freedom to focus? Do we have freedom to, to look at what's on our plate and find those two to three main things we want to do today and get them done? That's where success really lies. Focusing with laser precision on what we want to get done. Do we have freedom to be present? So when you're at work, at your, you're at the office, or you're sitting at your writing desk, are you present at that moment without distraction? When you're at home, are you present with your spouse and with your family without work interrupting your thoughts? Do you have freedom to be spontaneous? Maybe you're working on a big writing project. It's got to get out tomorrow. But your, your spouse comes in and interrupts you and says, hey, I brought you some ice cream. Or your grandkid or your kid calls and says, you know, hey, just want to see how you're doing today. And I just want to check in and say hi. Do you have freedom to be spontaneous, to be interrupted because you've allowed yourself to create margin in your life? Or do you have the freedom to do nothing at all? And that's what creating margin in life is all about. Do you have freedom to do nothing at all? You go on vacation and you can sit on the beach, read a book, and you don't have to worry about that next project. You don't have to worry about what's happening at work. You don't have to worry about it at all. Wouldn't that be nice? That'd be wonderful. All right, so now that we know how to stop, Number two is we have to get rid of our limiting beliefs. How do we get rid of limiting beliefs? You know, I think it's hard for us to discover that there is more to life than consistently being on the go. We want to be on the go. We, want, we like checking those things off of our to-do list. It's fun, you know. I don't know about you. I, I have a you know I'm, you know my Michael Hyatt planner. They have these nice little boxes. I can put a little check mark in. It's like yes, I completed that project. Check. I completed that next project. Check. You know, it feels nice. It gives you a dopamine hit. It's great. But a lot of times, and I think learning to change our thinking is the crux. Of, of really learning to be free and learning to move forward with the dreams and the plans and the visions that God has put on our heart. And struggling with our thought life means that whatever our belief system is, whatever is locked into our brain affects our heart and then affects the direction we take our life. So our thought life hinders our belief life. And we so often use what I call limiting beliefs in our daily life. Let, let me give you, give you one of them now. Uh, how many have ever used this one? Here's a limiting belief. I just don't have enough time. Fill in blank. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time to write. I want to get my book done. I just don't have enough time to write. You know, I, 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 I would love, I would love to, you know, go on a date with you, honey, but I, you know, we just don't have time to, to put aside right now to, um, you know, to work on our marriage. That's a sen in a sense what we're saying. I don't have enough time, and so it affects everything else. It's like a domino effect. And, and I think... One of our struggles is, is it's a feeling. I just don't have enough time. I feel that I don't have enough time. We all have the same 168 hours in a week. Maybe not this week. <laughs> but you've got to remind yourself of that. So instead of saying, I don't have enough time, here's a liberating truth. Replace that thought with this thought. I have all the time I need to accomplish what matters most. That is revolutionary. 
before I started thinking about some of this stuff, it took me 10 years to write Vengeance at Purgatory. 10 years to write that book. Why? Because I procrastinated, because I focused on everything but what I wanted to do. I didn't have enough time to, to write a book at the time. And when I started writing that book, I was a single guy. <laughs> I wasn't married. I didn't have any kids. I, you know, the only responsibility I had is making sure I paid a bill and went to work on time. But I chose to focus on other things. Here's another one. How's this one? I'm just not disciplined enough to sit down and write. I, I sit down, I start typing away a few letters, and oh, it's a really nice day outside. I'll just stare out the window, and look at that squirrel run across the yard. Isn't he cute? A dog crawls up the leg. Get down. I'm trying to write here. Dog crawls up the leg. Okay, fine, I'll let you out. You get up, you take the dog outside, and, and you're like, oh, you know, I'm kind of thirsty. I'll go up, and I'll get a drink of water, and and you get your drink of water, and then while you're in the kitchen, you're like, I kind of need a snack. So you pull the snack box out, and you eat a little few crackers. And, and then, you, then you pull out your phone, and you're surfing Facebook for a little while. And, and then Facebook leads to YouTube, and you watch a couple YouTube videos. And next thing you know, you're scrolling through Netflix to see if there's anything on Netflix worth watching. And next thing you know, two hours have gone by, and you've not done anything. Except stare at a stupid cursor on your computer screen. I don't, have you ever done that? Maybe not quite that bad, but, you know, I've done it that bad. <laughs> I'm not disciplined enough to sit down. Did you know the average American is distracted every three minutes? If you're focusing on a project, you're writing a story, that next story for the newspaper, your mind wanders every three minutes unless you focus it with laser precision to not stop until you complete the task every three minutes so instead of saying I'm not disciplined enough to write how about this liberating truth working in my desire zone doesn't require much discipline why because I'm excited to sit down and write I'm excited to get this project done I'm excited to check that thing off of my list that is true power. How about this limiting belief? You know, I, I, I'm just not in control of my time. Everybody else controls my time. My dog controls my time. My husband or my wife controls my time. My kids control my time. My boss controls my time. I'm sitting on the couch talking to my wife. My boss texts me. Have you thought about this to do for tomorrow? I mean, everybody controls my time. I don't have the time because somebody else is in need of my time. Let me say this. Here's the liberating truth. I have the ability to make better use of my time. It's not somebody else's time. Yes, there are going to be pockets of time that will be dictated by other people. But if we don't protect our precious commodity of time like we do or should money, it will be spent before you realize it's even gone. How about this one? My circumstances won't allow me to write right now. It's just temporary. You ever said that one? I got way too much on my plate right now. It's just temporary. I got this going on right now. It's just temporary. It'll pass. Have you ever used the phrase, this too shall pass? You know, it's like Lord of the Rings and you feel like Gandalf the White and you're standing on the bridge and I can't remember the dragon creature, Smog or something like that, to stand, you know, and he's the time sucker. <clears throat> you need to be like Gandalf and pound your staff into the rock and say, you shall not pass. You know, in other words, I'm in control of my destiny. I'm in control of my time. 
I'm in control of the resources that God has given me. Nobody else is. So, if we change our thinking, we can change our belief system. In other words, I don't have to wait until my circumstances change to get started. I can start right now. That's the liberating truth to my circumstances won't allow me to write. I don't have to wait until they change. So, there's that. Number three. So now that we've changed our you know, our, our thought process of we need to stop and evaluate where our lives are and how we're spending our time. And we are now changing our mindset to change our belief patterns. Now we know we have enough time to do everything we want to do, right? Now we got to put a system in place to do that. So, I don't even know what time it is. Oh, still got some time. Is that clock right up there? No. Oh, it's an hour off. All right. All right, so number three, how do we set smarter goals? SMARTER is an acronym. It's a cool acronym. SMARTER simply means, and I'll go through each of these, but SMARTER means specific, measurable, actionable, risky, time-keyed, exciting, and relevant. And, and, and I'll say this, if, if, if you can grasp these next two points that I'm going to point out here, it will revolutionize your life. It will change how you think. It will change how much you can get done in your daily life. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever taken a road trip without a map? Have you ever done it? All right. Have you ever gone to a restaurant or fancy five-star restaurant that requires reservations, re reservations, and you've shown up without a reservation? They won't let you in. <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> you know, this is what happens in our life. If we desire something, but we don't write it down as a goal. with a specific action in mind to help us get from step A to victory, the goal's going to slip by and nothing's ever going to come of it. So I, I, I was saying that it took me 10 years to write one of my books. It took me another five years to write my children's book. Why? Because I just didn't make the time to do it. It was as simple as that. Once I made the decision to do it, it still took about a year and a half to get it done because it took about a year for the artwork to get done. But once I made the commitment and I put a deadline in place and I said, the manuscript will be finished with its editing by such and such date. I will have the manuscript broken out into bite, you know, into word pictures so that uh, the illustrator kind of knew what I was thinking, what each stanza would represent, and so that she could go to the, the palette board and be like, okay, I think I see what he's envisioning here. That piece of the project will be done by such and such time. And then I set an end goal date with my illustrator. This is when I kind of would like to have the images done by. And then I said, this is when the book will be published by and ready for ordering. And so, so I had to put an action plan into place. Seth Godin said this. He goes, Generous goals work if you write them down and turn your dreams into reality. If you've not read any of Seth Godin's stuff, 
Go SethGodin.com. Um, he, he's a fantastic writer. He, he's um, very, very inspiring. Spell that name. Uh, Seth, uh, Seth Godin, um, G-O-D-I-N. SethGodin.com. So in other words, when we finally put an action plan together and, and we hold ourselves accountable to those plans, we can see our vision, we can see our dreams turned into reality. So number one, specific. What is a specific goal? Goals need to be identified, right? They need to be visualized. So I, I said earlier, you know, I, I would like to uh, exercise more this year. Sounds like a nice goal, right? It's not very specific, though, is it? A specific goal would be this. I will exercise Monday, Wednesday, and Friday every week for the next 90 days. That's a very specific goal. Our goals, when we write them down, have to be that specific because that then requires action. It requires us to, to push ourselves forward. You know, or photography. Let's say I want to learn photography. You can't just say I want to learn photography this year. How about this? You know, I will take a lynda.com photography 101 course next quarter and be accomplished by July 29th. That's very specific. But the other thing is your goal has to be measurable. So here's the thing. So let's go back to the exercise, and that's a really easy one. I will exercise Monday, Wednesday, Friday, every week for the next 90 days. Is that measurable? Can you measure yourself against that? Either you worked out three days this week or you didn't work out three days this week. You either worked out this week and you skipped last week. And by the end of the 90 days, what percentage of that goal did you accomplish? That's measurable. It also has to be actionable. So actionable, this is where, where the goal really gets to be specific. Because actionable... You, you want to use strong verbs. Editors, you know, when you're writing a book, they like strong verbs. Ignore the pesky adverbs and adjectives, but use strong verbs to convey your point. The same is true when you're writing an, uh, a, a smarter goal. You have to write a very specific verb. I will do this. This should be done isn't very actionable. But I will do this is. That make sense? So here's one. I want to write 12 short stories by July 1st. Or I will write 12 short stories by July 1st. It's specific. It's measurable. You can, did you write 12 or did you not write 12? It has an end time. And it's actionable. You can take action on it right away. You're like, okay, I know I have this many weeks to get this amount of work done. Is it risky? You know, here's the other thing about setting a goal. It, it has to be risky. You have to set a risk factor in place because if it's just not risky enough, you probably aren't going to be too excited to go for it. But if it's risky enough, it kind of forces you to rise to the occasion and kind of lift the lid on your life a little bit and raise the bar to meet it. So is it risky? Um, psychologist Edwin Locke said this about goal setting. He said, there is a linear relationship between the degree of goal, uh, of goal difficulty and performance. He said the performance of participants with the highest goals 
was over 250% higher than those who had easier goals. So if your goal is too easy, you might miss the mark. But if your goal is just risky enough, it's just out of your reach, you just may make it. And that's exciting. Which brings us to E, exciting. You know, face it, if you're not excited about your goal, you're just plain not going to do it. You got to be excited about your goal. It has to be something that really buzzes your buzzer and, and gets you excited to, you know, I'm going to knock this thing out of the park. I'm going to hit that home run and I'm going to go for it. Um, Allison Walton from the Chicago Booth Review, she said this, um, this is not how most people typically choose their goals. They choose goals that they feel are important. Don't use a New Year's resolution that you don't enjoy doing. You'll just set yourself up for failure. Tap into your intrinsic motivation. What's going to get you moving? What's going to kind of kick you in the butt and keep you moving out that door? Michael Hyatt says, Yes, it needs to be exciting, but remember, you're still setting a risky goal. It needs to be exciting, but it needs to be risky. And then, is it relevant? Is your goal relevant? Can your goal kind of stand on the high ground and be relevant to where you're at in your life right now? You know, you don't want to be so optimistic that you miss the mark. You want it to be relevant to where you're at in your life right now, but that's going to help elevate you to where you want to be. I hope that makes sense. So I have, all, I have goal sheets that you can download on my website. You can go to jasonsism.com. I think it's in your handout. jasonsism.com forward slash writing goals. jasonsism.com forward slash writing goals. You can download it. I have two templates on there. One is a writing goal, help you write more in less time. And the other one is a generic one that you can write and use for any of your goals um, that you want to set for your life. So how do we put this into practice? I'm going to blow through this last part real quick here. Number four is this. Act on your goals by prioritizing your tasks. Entrepreneur Greg McGowan said, if you don't prioritize your life, somebody else will. So, number one, we have to design our week by doing a weekly preview. And this is, this is where goal setting really hits, you know, is where the rubber hits the road. Um, doing a weekly preview, I do this every week. Every Monday morning, I sit down for about 30 minutes, and I look at what I did last week, and I forward look into what I'm going to do this next week. And what, what steps can I take to push my goals forward to accomplish them this quarter? So step one is to list your biggest wins. I usually pick three. You can pick up to five, but three to five of your biggest wins. I think if, if we don't focus on our wins, we're never going to be excited about continuing forward into tomorrow. So what were my biggest wins this week? What what did I accomplish this week that was really exciting, that was really good, that helped me move my, my, my goals forward? You know, maybe I had a goal of I'm going to write 5,000 words this week. Maybe that was your goal this week. You know, hey, I did pretty good. I, I got 5,000 words written. But I also got another little side project written for the newspaper. You know, so those are two wins right there. Bam, knocked out of the park right there. You know, so what were your wins? Step number two is review your prior week. What lessons did you learn? You know, how far did you get on your weekly big three? I'll get, on, get to that in a second. You know, how did you, how did you design your week? What worked and what didn't work? And then you ask yourself this question. What will I keep doing, improve on, start doing, or stop doing this next week. That helps you really clarify what this next week is going to look like. 
So what worked, what didn't work? What will I keep, improve, start, or stop doing? Step number three is to review your list and your notes. Do you keep, how many keep a, a to-do list? Whether it's on your phone, on a piece of paper, note, the little posty notes, whatever. How many write little notes to yourself throughout the week? Whether it's on note cards, a legal pad, your phone, a Google Keep, whatever. Evernote, yeah. Go through those and review those. Now, it's best to consolidate everything into one app or one location because it's easier to review it. <laughs> I, I used to have note, note cards, post-it notes, tablets, phone, my computer, a calendar, and it got really overwhelming. So I consolidated everything down, and I now only use a paper planner. Everything is in this now, um, besides my digital calendar. So look at your notes, look at your list, eliminate what's no longer relevant, schedule out what needs to happen this week later, prioritize what needs to happen, and if you can defer anything, defer it out. Step number, four, step number four, check your goals, your projects, your events, your meetings, your deadlines. It's basically kind of looking at your overall calendar and saying, okay, what am I going to turn into a task for this week? And then number five, designate your weekly big three. This is where you can get really clear focus on your goals. These are the three most important things you have to do this week. What three things am I going to do this week that's going to elevate me for next week and push me that much closer to completing my goals? If you get nothing else done in your week except these three things, that's exciting. Because those are three big tasks you can knock off your list. Because three weekly tasks, it'll take you all week to get those three things done. So find your big weekly three, and this is where step number two, you start designing your day by distilling down to your daily big three. What three things am I going to do today to move forward on my goals? If I don't get anything else done today, I'm going to get these three things done. Remember the... Uh, the Patero, I think that's how you say it, the Patero principle, 80% of the results come from 20% of action. 80% results come from 20% action. So focus on less to do more. Average person works about 235 days a year. If you focus on just three things a day, that's 705 things you can cross off your to-do list. Most people, they try to do too much in too little time, and it falls apart on them. So think about it this way. 235 days this year. If just one of your daily three goals is to write 400 words. Now, come on. 400 words is easy. You can knock that out in about an hour. Okay? We all can find at least one hour in our day, right? I think. I hope. That's what this is all about. <laughs> 400 words a day, five days a week, 235 days this year, you'll have 94,000 words written in 235 days. That's a book, people. Come on. That's the problem. That could be two books, really, depending on what you're writing. 94,000 words with just writing 400 words a day at five days a week. That gives you your weekends to do whatever the heck you want to do. Now, can you do that? Can you guys do that? That's pretty easy. So instead of having 20 things on your to-do list, have three. Focus on those to push your goals forward. Productivity and proactive 
action on that pro productivity will help you enforce your writing boundaries so you can actually write and get more done in less time. Well, my friends, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the talk that I gave to the Minnesota Christian Writers Guild on March 9th. Avoid writing pitfalls by setting smarter goals. And my goal was really to help you be free to focus on what God has called you to do. You can find the full show notes over on my website at jbcism.com forward slash 146. jbcism.com forward slash 146. Six And don't forget to go to the website and sign up for the Right Now Masterclass that is happening on April 18th. You're not going to, going to want to miss this because I'm not sure when I'm opening the cart again for this class. So jbcism.com forward slash right hyphen now. All right, my friends. God bless. I love you all. And as Ray Edwards says, not in a weird way. Thanks for listening. This has been the J.B. Sism Show. You can find the archives of the show at jbsism.com or on iTunes. Don't forget to visit jbsism.com to download a special ebook when you sign up for the free newsletter. You'll get new episodes, updates, and so much more. This podcast is copyright Jason Sism and Sism Enterprise, all rights reserved. Until next week, stay motivated with clarity, take your message to the next level, and find success in your family, ministry, and life.